Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Everybody said praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to be in God's house on Sunday morning. And I love the presence of God that I feel here today. And I know that God is working. Amen. And it's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. And I am so privileged and honored to be here. And what a great time, as your pastor has stated We have had over the last couple of nights, thankful for the touch of God and thankful for his presence. Amen. And you all are so blessed, as I stated last night, with great leadership. Give honor to your great, wonderful pastor. Appreciate him very much. And you're blessed with great leadership with him and Sister Cox and all of your leadership team here. Give honor to them today. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to tonight, be here tonight. It's going to be a great time. We'll laugh, we'll sing, and we'll have a good time. However, I feel a more direct approach this morning. And while I have been operating in the role of an evangelist the last couple of nights, that may shift this morning, But I would ask you that you would turn with me to Mark, the 12th chapter, and the 17th verse. Mark, the 12th chapter, and the 17th verse. Also to 2 Samuel, chapter 15, beginning in verse number 12 and reading verse number 31. 2 Samuel 15, 12 and 31. It's so good to see everybody's smiling faces this morning. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Amen. You're blessed with good music here, good singing, and I've been to a lot of churches that didn't have that, so you're blessed. Amen. Mark chapter number 12, verse number 17, it reads, And Jesus answering said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And to God, the things that are God's, and they marveled at him. 2 Samuel 15 and 12, it reads, And Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. Verse number 31, and one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. I will be direct in my remarks today because I want to help somebody. I want the Holy Ghost to help somebody. The Holy Ghost isn't your janitor. The Holy Ghost is a comforter. And the Holy Ghost is going to help somebody today. 
and I will deliver the word of the Lord, and I hope you will respond. But right now, will you lift your hands, and we ask the Lord to speak to us today in this house. Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for your presence. We're grateful for your word. I ask that you would allow me to be anointed to preach your already anointed word. Let it fall on good ground today. Let us not leave this place the same way that we came, but let us leave changed this morning. Let us leave transformed this morning. We're grateful for your church. We're grateful for the plan of salvation. We're thankful today that you have heard us, and we're grateful that we have another opportunity to be changed. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. I was reminiscing on my way here and before church this morning um, of when I was a boy. This year I will celebrate my 30-something none of your business birthday. And I was reminiscing of when I was a kid, a lot of earlier years, and my birthday would roll around at the same time each year. It's funny how that works. It's the same, same time, same dates each year. And I began to reminisce of when I was a boy. And I began to remember the Day, my birthday would roll around, and I had asked mom and dad for a particular gift, and I had anticipated they were going to get me that gift. And, uh, you know, as you get older, your gift preferences change. You know that. When you're young, you're saying, I don't want t shirts, I don't want socks or clothes. When you get older into your 30s, you're like, that's all you, that's all I want. Just give me more t shirts, I'll take it all. But, When I was a boy, I remember wanting a particular gift one year, and I began to ask mom and dad for that, and the day finally rolled around, and my birthday came, and I began to open the box excitedly, and there was my birthday gift that I had been wanting for so long. And I was so excited, and I pulled the gift out of the box, and I began to show everybody. And I was so excited because it now belonged to me. It was mine. It was mine. And it didn't belong to anybody else. It didn't belong to my siblings. It didn't belong to my friends. That gift that I had been given was mine. And I, that year it happened to be a paintball gun, and I went, and the first thing I did, me and my brother were outside playing, I said, I'm going to see if this hurts. <laughs> and uh, it did. And my brother felt that welt, um, and he tried to take what belonged to me away from me, And I quickly reminded him it didn't belong to him. It was mine. And I went to great lengths to hide that gift from my siblings. And I would hide it in the bottom of the toy box. I would hide it in the closet on top of the shelf that nobody would find it. 
And without fail, like siblings do, my brother found it. And I saw my brother one day outside playing with that gift that did not belong to him, but it belonged to me. And like good Christian brothers do, I quickly went outside and I had a good Christian conversation (laughs) with him. And he had taken something that belonged to me. It didn't belong. It was mine. And I quickly reminded him of that. And that good Christian brotherly kind conversation turned into a good Christian kind brotherly fist fight. And that good Christian kind brotherly fist fight quickly turned into a good Christian kind brotherly wrestling match with shouting and screaming because he had taken something that belonged to me. It was not his. It was mine. And I was a little bit selfish about that gift. And at that moment, we both heard the screen door slam at the house and We both became the most Christian, kind, loving brothers that ever walked the face of the earth. That was a problem with Cain and Abel. They never heard the screen door slam at the house. And we both knew what that meant. It meant that we were fixing to find out who it really belonged to. And sure enough, here came Dad. And he took that gift that I thought belonged to me and quickly said the fatherly cliche, if you can't learn to share, then it belongs to me. You know how that goes. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You remember those days. And I found out that day my father was a little bit selfish. And I learned a lot of things about my father. Me and my brother would like to go build forts because we were going to go conquer the world. And so we would take all of my dad's tools and we'd take his hammers and his Sears lifetime warranty craftsman ratchet set and we would go out and we would begin to take the nails and hammer them into the oak trees that were protected by the community. And we were going to build a fort that we could vanquish all of the enemies in and and we, 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 we took them all out there, and we began to have a great time and build that, that fortress. And about 30 minutes later, something else caught our attention, and we went and began to do something else. And we left my dad's tools out there in the dirt, and it rained that night. And my dad came out the next morning to find all of those things that belonged to him in such disarray, and we found out that day our dad was selfish about some things. We had a selfish father, and that is the title of my message this morning, The Selfish Father. And I begin to parallel my earthly father with my heavenly father, and I begin to go through Scripture And I begin to find out there are some things that God said belong to me and you don't get to use them. And they don't belong to anybody else, but they belong to me. And like that day, 
me and my brother found out that there are certain things that belong to dad you didn't touch. I found out there are certain things that belong to God that you don't touch. And I begin to go through scripture and I begin to find six things that belong exclusively to God. And the first one that I find is in Isaiah 42 and 8 where it says, I am the Lord, that is my name and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to any graven images. Now the word glory here means the weight or the splendor or the magnificence of God. Not the same context as 2 Corinthians 4 and 6 where it says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's not talking about that kind of glory. But it is the same interpretation as Psalms 29 and 2 where it says, Give unto the Lord the glory that is due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The glory belongs to God. When the Israelites are getting ready to cross over into the promised land, they're getting ready to walk into a land that's got a lot of idols, that's got a lot of gods, that's got a lot of things that are going to want their worship and are going to want some glory and are going to want the praise. So before they go over and walk into that promised land, God tells them, hold on a second, I'm going to give you ten commandments. And these ten commandments are going to be what guides you when you get over into this land. And the first one I'm going to give you is this, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I'm a jealous God. Don't have any, I know the place you're getting ready to walk into, they're going to want your worship, they're going to want your praise, they're going to want a lot of these things, but you better remember the glory belongs to me. It doesn't belong to anybody else. It doesn't belong to anything else. The glory belongs to me, and I'd better be the only thing inhabiting your praise. So I learned a long time ago, I don't give my checkbook, my circumstances, my job. I don't give any of that the glory before I give God the glory. I don't come into the house of God deciding I'm just going to let worry permeate my mind and my spirit. No, 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 no. Before I do anything else, I've got to give him the glory Because it belongs to him. Come on, we came to give him glory this morning because it belongs to him. The second thing that belongs to God is in Leviticus 27 and 30. And all of the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. 32, and concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth unto the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. The glory is his, but the tithe is also his. No, I didn't. Pastor didn't tell me what I was supposed to preach today. I didn't tell him what I was preaching on. But let me remind you this morning, God feels so strongly about his tithe that God said in Malachi chapter 3 that if you want to be a thief and a robber and not give him what belongs to him, then he said, I'll curse you with a curse. And so even in hard times and even in pandemics, And even when things don't look good, you'd better be giving God what belongs to him. 
Because he said, if you give me what belongs to me, then I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you cannot contain. But not only that, then I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he won't be able to touch the fruits of your labor. But not only that, then all nations shall call you blessed. So I've got to learn to be obedient and give God what is his and he will take care of me. But more than that, God said, try me. And during these last two and a half years, I have learned that the further blessing is not in the tithes, but the further blessing is in the offering. And when I go further, God goes further. And when I take a step of faith, God takes a step of faith. Oh, I'm starting to feel a wall just pushing right. I'm not, I'll push through it. But I, two, two and a half years ago, I, I, I felt something in my spirit. Pastor, I, I had a great, great job at a great, great church, ran about six, 700 people, had my own office. It was a great thing. I was the executive pastor of the church, but I started to feel a stirring in my spirit. I didn't know what it was. I just began to pray about it. And I began to say, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to do to me? I just felt a nudging. Something's getting ready to change. There's a new season getting ready to come. And I began to pray about it. And I felt like I was supposed to go evangelize. And my pastor felt good about it. And he said, all right, let's plan this. And I began to plan out, tell people I'm going evangelizing. And I had a book seven, eight months in advance. Things were going great. God was getting ready to bless. I was excited about this new season. And the first weekend that I was supposed to go full-time evangelizing was the first weekend COVID hit and everything shut down. And I was like, oh, dear Lord, this is not good. And, 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 and pastors started calling, and my phone started ringing. And if you're a full-time evangelist and a pandemic hits and a pastor starts calling, you really probably don't like to answer that call because it's more than likely going to be something like, well, brother, we'll have you again. Uh, we just can't do it right now. But seven or eight years down the road, we'll make sure we have you back. Stuff like that. And you're thinking, oh, gee. And I begin to pray, God, God, you're going to have to take care of me through this. And I begin to, I begin to diligently pray, God, if I'm really in your will, you're going to take care of me. And I made up my mind at that moment, I'm going to try God. And I began to give more than I've ever given before. I began to send offerings to other evangelists that I knew needed it more than I did. I began to increase my missions giving. I began to give more than I've ever given in my life. And since that time, and since I began to try God, I have not missed one weekend since then. I'm not telling you to tell you what I did. I'm telling you I learned the principle when I go further, God goes further. And when I learned to give of myself, God says, okay, now that you've taken a step of faith, I'm going to walk with you through this. And I learned to give God what belongs to him. 
And some of us wonder why we have trouble in our finances. It's because we haven't learned. I got to give God what belongs to him first. And if I begin to do that, then he said, I'll open up the windows of heaven. How can we expect blessing if we're not even following biblical protocol? We got to get our minds back in the word and say, God, the glory belongs to you, but the tithe also belongs to you. All right. The third thing that belongs to God, Revelation 1 and 20. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Two and one. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. The word angels here is translated literally meaning messengers or pastors. The glory is his. The tithe is his. But the third thing that belongs to God is the man of God. The man of God belongs to God. And we better be really careful about what we let roll off of our tongue and come out of our spirit that goes against what belongs to God. Because the man of God does not belong to you. He belongs to God. And God called him here. And God positioned him here. And God sent him here so that he could accomplish his will. And so I got to be really careful when I let something come into my spirit that goes against what belongs to God. I got to be really careful what comes out of my mouth that decides it wants to talk against the man of God. I better be really careful when I let something come out of my mouth that goes against what God has ordained for this city. Come on, don't you let your pastor get up here and preach and you don't amen and you don't clap him but you'll like somebody's favorite post on social media when they don't even care for your soul. No, 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 no. You get behind your man of God and you say, preach to me, preacher. Tell it to me, pastor. Tell it to me like it is. I don't care how hard. I don't care what you got to say. You're in charge of my soul. Hey, come on. You're man of God. Here's from heaven. And he says, I'm going to preach thus saith the Lord and we should not just sit there when the man of God gets to the pulpit no 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 we ought to have something in our spirit that says hey man of God preach it to me Come on, we don't need more people backbiting. We don't need more people talking behind his back and saying all of these things. No, 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 no. You'd better be careful when you begin to mess with what belongs to God. We need somebody to come along this man of God, lift up his hands and say, come on, pastor, let's have revival. Come on, pastor, let's have a move of God. I'm behind you 100%. I'm behind you all the way. Tell it to me like I need to hear it to preach it to me like I need to have it preached to me. Come on, we need to lift up the man of God. Brother Cox, God is going to take care of you. God is going to take care of your family. God is going to take care of your thoughts and your needs because you belong to him. He belongs to God. The man of God. 
God belongs to God. The glory is His. The tithe is His. The man of God belongs to you. The fourth thing that belongs to God is the one evangelists love to preach on because it's the one where we inflect our voice. And the job of the evangelist is to come in and build faith and help the church and get everybody revived and have revival. And that's, that's our job. And it should be that way where we come in and build faith. And that's the job of the evangelist. But this is the one that evangelists love to preach on because we get excited about it. We get to preach about miracles. And we get to preach about signs and wonders because the fourth thing that belongs to God comes in Psalm 62 and 11 where it says, God has spoken one. Twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. Power here means boldness, loud, might, strength, strong. Now let me take a time out and just preach for a minute. I'm thankful I serve a God who's got power. Now let me rephrase that. I'm thankful I serve the God who has power. Come on, I'm not just serving any other God out there. I'm serving the God who has all power in heaven and earth. You've come too late to tell me he doesn't have power. I've seen him heal the blinded eye. I've seen him raise the dead. I've seen him unstop the deaf ear. I'm thankful I serve a God who has power today. All power in heaven and earth. And when I say the name of Jesus, I know literally anything is possible. Cancer can be healed. The demon yet can be delivered. The blinded eye can be opened. Come on, if we knew how much power God actually had, and if we knew the power of the name of Jesus, we would not just be sitting there. No, no, no. We'd be clapping our hands as loud as we could. We'd be running as fast as we could. We'd be shouting as hard as we could because the God that we serve isn't like any other God. The God that we serve has all power. Come on, are you thankful you know the God? And he's in this building today. He's walking down the aisles right now saying, Hey, why don't somebody call out to me? Why don't somebody talk to me? Why don't somebody just say, Jesus, because all power belongs to God. Come on, you can have a miracle this morning. You can be delivered this morning. You can be set free this morning. Not because of me, not because of pastor, not because of anybody else, but because power belongs to God. Clap your hands if you're thankful you're serving a God that has power. Praise God. Praise God. The glory is his. The tithe is his. The man of God belongs to him. Come on, lift your hands right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice right now. Power belongs to God. Hallelujah. Power belongs to God. I feel the Holy Ghost moving. We can stop right here just for a minute.
power, 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 power. Power belongs to God. Hallelujah. The fifth thing that belongs to God is where I will spend the majority of my message this morning. Because in daughter Deuteronomy 32 and 35, it says this, To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand. And the things that shall come upon them make haste. We're reminded of it again in Romans 12 and 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, thus saith the Lord. David is king. His own son, his own flesh and blood, Absalom, has desired to be king no matter what it takes. He wants to push his father off of the throne by whatever means necessary. So desperate is he to sit on the throne that the Bible says he begins to go stand by the way of the gate. And at the gate, he begins to listen to the problems and the concerns and the petitions of the people. The gate was where the king would go and sit, and there he would begin to listen to the problems of the people. And they would come and they would begin to bring their petitions to him. And he would listen to them and he, they would tell him their problems and he would help them solve their problems. If somebody had a complaint, they would go to the gate. If somebody had an issue, they would go to the king in the gate. And David is mourning for his own son because he's trying to dismantle the family. And the king is not in the gate. So Absalom goes and he stands by the gate and the people come and he says things like, Don't you wish there was a king to stand here and listen to your petition? Don't you wish you had somebody you could bring your concerns to? Don't you wish you had somebody who would come and sit here and listen to everything that's going on? Don't you wish you had a king who could sit here? And he says, tell me about your problems. Tell me about your issues. I'll listen to you. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear all of your problems. Come on, tell me. And he begins to stand in the gate. You got to be careful to who you listen to in the gate. You got to be careful to who you listen to in the gate. You got to be careful to who you like on social media. You got to be careful to who you listen to on social media. Like I said, they're not your pastor. They don't care for your soul. Be careful who you listen to in the gate. And Absalom begins to listen to the people and begins to talk to them and say, oh, don't you wish he had I'll listen to you. Come on. And the Bible says his conspiracy is so strong that he begins to turn the hearts of the men of Israel. He begins to turn their hearts and they begin to say, oh, Absalom would make a great king. And they begin to become loyal to Absalom. And they become loyal to him. And everybody's loving him because he's talking to him in the gate. And the Bible begins to tell this story. David sees what's happening. David sees what's going on. And he says, I will not stay where God doesn't want me. God is the one who put me here. And if God wants me back here, he'll bring me back. But until that time, I'm taking my mighty men and I'm leaving. So he takes his mighty men and he departs. And Absalom sees, oh, my father is gone. I'm that much closer to the king's 
to the king's throne. And he says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm almost there. I'm almost sitting where my father sat. My father's not even here anymore. And the Bible says he sees that he's so much closer to being in power. And the Bible begins to introduce us to a character not so often preached about named Ahithophel. And we begin to read about Ahithophel. And Absalom sees Ahithophel sacrificing in a nearby city named Gilo. And he calls Ahithophel. Let me talk to you about Ahithophel. Ahithophel was one of David's closest counselors. Ahithophel was one of David's closest confidants, closest friends. Anytime David had an issue, David would go to Ahithophel. And there he would begin to listen to his counsel. And he would begin to ask him anytime there was something going on. What should I do, Ahithophel? Advise me. Counsel me. And every time Ahithophel would give counsel and advice, the Bible says it was as if the oracle of God was speaking. That's how good the counsel was. That's how good his words were. It was so good. It was as if God himself was speaking through Ahithophel. He'd never been wrong. He'd never been blasphemed because he'd been wrong. He had never been out of touch. Every time he would give advice, it was the right advice. And Absalom calls Ahithophel and says, Ahithophel, I need you to come and help me now. Forget my father. Forget, I need you on my side. And Ahithophel drops a lifetime of loyalty in a moment just to become loyal to his own friend's son. Doesn't make sense in my mind. Why would you sacrifice an entire lifetime of service to one man for one moment? Why would you throw it all away just for one moment why would you decide just to give it all up and throw everything out the door just so you could switch loyalties to your best friend's son doesn't make sense in my mind but David hears the news and he hears that Ahithophel has decided to be loyal now to Absalom and he knows how good his advice is and David begins to cry out God turn the counsel of Ahithophel don't let it be good to Absalom. And David begins to weep because his own friend has now turned his back on him. And we read about it when 41 and 9 of Psalms, when he begins to cry out and say, Yay, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. David goes on in 55 and 12. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have at least borne it. I could have dealt with it had it been mine enemy. I could have comprehended it had it been somebody who was against me. But it wasn't. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Had it been him that hated me, at least then I could have hid myself from him. That would have been easy. But it wasn't him. It was him, a man mine equal. He was my guide. He was mine acquaintance. And a tear begins to roll down David's face as he remembers. We took sweet counsel together. We walked into the house of God on a Sunday morning and we looked at each other and said, hey, David, what do you think God's going to do today? I don't know. I hit the fell. Maybe he's going to heal somebody again like he did last week. Maybe he's going to deliver the demoniac like he did over in the Catarines. Oh, I don't 
know. Maybe he's going to do all of these things, and maybe all of this is going to happen, and I, I, I don't know what's, but I, let's just get, come on, let's run the aisles. Let's shout. Let's dance a little bit. I don't know what he's going to do today, but, I, but, but, but we walked into the house of God together. We took sweet counsel together. And after a lifetime of service, Ahithophel now decides that he's going to be loyal to Absalom. Doesn't make sense in my mind. And we read the continued story of Ahithophel. David sees all of this that is happening and he begins to pray, God turn the counsel of Ahithophel. But David had another friend named Hushai and he calls Hushai and he says, Hushai, I need you to do something for me. Hushai was also one of David's counselors. He was also one of David's confidants. He said, Ahithophel is over there giving advice to him. I need you to go over there and I need you to now go to Absalom but pretend you're going to be loyal to Absalom. And when Ahithophel begins to give advice, I need you to speak against it because I know how powerful his advice is. And Hushai, you're my friend. Will you do this for me? Hushai looks at David and he says, yes, David, I'll go. I will now pretend to be loyal to Absalom. And David looks at Hushai and says, he's going to see you coming. He's going to see you coming. So when he sees you coming, he's going to ask, what are you doing here? Aren't you my father's friend? And he says, just pretend like you're going to be loyal to him, Hushai. And Hushai walks towards Absalom where he's staying. And Absalom sees his coming and says, what are you doing here, Hushai? Just like David said. And he sees him and sees him. Why are you here? Aren't you my father's friend? Yes, yes I am. But I can see that you're on the winning side. And I want to now be loyal to you, Absalom. I now want to turn all of my allegiances to you. And we read that Absalom says, come on in, Hushai. And he calls Hushai to one side. And he calls Ahithophel to the other side and looks at them both and says, I'm this much closer to my father's throne. What do I have to do to take over the entire kingdom? What do I have to do to go sit where my father sat? Ahithophel looks at him and he says, King, let me do one thing. Let me take 12,000 men and let me go and cut the head off the snake while David is weak. Let me go and kill him. I'm only going to kill him. I won't kill any of his men. I won't do anything else, but we need to strike while the iron is hot. Let me take all of these 12,000 men, and I'll go get David while he's on the run. I'll go take care of him. Let me go do it, but I'll only kill him. Doesn't make sense to me. Why 12,000 men? Why are you just going to kill one man? It seems like something's wrong inside of your spirit. Seems like something's going on. Doesn't make sense. Why you want to go just kill David? And so then I hit the fell looks at Absalom but not only that you need to do no, you need to do another thing and he says take all of David's concubines that he left behind go up to the rooftop and go into them in front of all of Israel on the rooftop so everybody in Israel can see you do it and Absalom goes up to the rooftop and he goes into his father's concubines in front of all of Israel and then then Absalom looks at Hushai and he says well what is your advice and he says well who, uh, Absalom I hit the fell's advice is not good at this time. You got to remember who you're chasing after here. This is David. Doesn't matter if he's tired. He's got his mighty men with him. And he's going to fight like a wounded dog. And are you sure you want to do that right now?
he's going to fight. This is the guy that killed Goliath. This is the guy that said, Saul has slain his thousands. David has slain his ten thousands. Why do you want to go kill him now? I don't think it's wise to do this. Let's just take this slow. Let's just take this step by step. Not everybody involved. We'll get him eventually. But right now, let's just move slowly so that we can get him eventually. And Absalom looks at Hushai. And he looks at Ahithophel. And for the first time in his life, Ahithophel hears the words, we're not going to listen to you. Hushai, we're going to go with your plan. And Ahithophel hears the news that Absalom will not listen to him. And the Bible says after he hears this news, he knows it will not be long before David is back on the throne. you got to understand, he's the oracle of God. He knows exactly what to do. He's never been wrong. But for the first time he hears, my advice will not be followed. So the Bible says he goes and puts his stuff on the donkey, saddles him up, goes back to his house, begins to put his affairs in order, begins to put all of his paperwork in order, gets the nearest rope, throws it over the nearest beam, and there he hangs himself in his own house because he knows it will not be long before David is crowned king again. But my question is, why does it have to end this way? I hit the fell. Why did you decide to do this? Doesn't make sense in my mind. Doesn't make sense. I can't comprehend it. Why throw it all away for one moment? And it doesn't make sense in my mind until I begin to read about the genealogy of a hit the fell. And I read Ahithophel has a son named Eliam. And Eliam has a daughter named Bathsheba. And now it comprehends in my mind. Ahithophel remembers the shame this man has caused his family. Ahithophel remembers... When his grandson-in-law, Uriah, was told by David, get out to the front line. I want Bathsheba. Get out into the heat of the battle. I know you're going to die. Ahithophel remembers when his great-grandbaby had to die because of the sins of this man. And he said, I'm going to allow something to get in my spirit that harbors a wound and that harbors bitterness and that harbors hurt and that harbors hatred. And he forgot that when you go out to get vengeance against somebody, you got to dig two graves. And Ahithophel, Ahithophel decides he's going to throw it all away because there's going to come a day, I don't know when it is, when I'm going to be able to get vengeance on David. There's going to come a day when I'm going to be able to get even with the man who has wronged my family, 
who has caused us so much shame, who has caused us so much hurt. But he forgot vengeance belongs to God. And I don't get to enact vengeance on anybody who's hurt me. Even though the pain might have been severe. Even though it might have been unfair. I don't get to enact vengeance on anybody I don't like. Because vengeance belongs to the selfish father. And Ahithophel forgot the sixth thing that belongs to God. Now it makes sense why he tells him, get up to the rooftop, Absalom. Go into all your father's concubines in front of all Israel where it all started. But he forgot about the sixth thing that belongs to God. Because in Psalm 62 and 12 it says, Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy. The glory is his. The tithe is his. The man of God is his. Power belongs to God. Vengeance belongs to him. But you'd never better forget mercy also belongs to him. And you don't get to choose to whom God allocates his mercy. You don't get a say in whom God says, I'm going to give them a little bit of mercy. And oh, Ahithophel forgot that vengeance was God. But he also forgot that mercy also belongs to God. And Ahithophel wasn't there when David decided he was going to get on his knees and go to an altar and begin to cry out, Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. I acknowledge them. My sin is ever before thee. Oh, I was shapen in iniquity. But now I'm praying you would purge me with hyssop so I can be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hide my face from my sins. Blot out mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Come on, I'm preaching to the church today. What are you going to do when the person that's wounded you and the person that's hurt you and the person that's offended you walks through those back doors, runs down to an altar, lifts up their hands and says, Oh God, I know I've been wrong. I know I've messed up, but created me a clean heart. What are you going to do in that moment? You'd better never forget that mercy belongs to God. 
And you don't get to choose to whom God allocates his mercy. I know it hurt. I know the wounds may be fresh, but it doesn't have to end like that. It doesn't have to end this way. But you are going to need mercy at some point too. And do you know how to get the mercy of the selfish father? It's very simple. Comes in Matthew. I'm not going to be much longer. Just listen. Comes in Matthew. When the Bible begins to tell us, if I forgive, then my heavenly father will also forgive me. But if I can't forgive, neither will my heavenly Father forgive me. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Stand to your feet this morning. You say, why are you preaching about this this morning? I'm preaching about it because offense is the name of the game in the hour in which we live. But the key to opening the hand of the selfish father when you need a little bit of mercy is you've got to say, okay, God, if I want your mercy, I've got to grant some mercy. God forbid the day we ever shout more about the power of God than we do the mercy of God. Because we all need mercy. And it doesn't have to end like this. And I've come here this morning to preach this message. Because, Pastor, before the church can ever get to another level, it's got to learn how to forgive. A revival church is a forgiving church. A breakthrough church is a merciful church. And offenses are going to come. And when they do come, you've got to remember, vengeance isn't yours, but mercy's not yours either. But you've got to grant mercy. It's a reciprocating thing. Everybody lift your hands in here right now. This morning, I'm asking if you would allow some tears to flow once again. The time for you to stop holding on to the bitterness, to the hurt, 
to the wound is this morning. Because God is calling you higher. And God is calling you to more. Maybe this isn't the evangelistic message you expected me to preach today. But it's the one God told me to preach today. Because there are some people in here, you're wondering why you can't get ahead. And why you can't seem to grow in God. The answer is this morning. It starts right now. And it starts with you releasing mercy towards the person that wounded you. Towards the person that hurt you. I'm not, it's not going to be easy. Sometimes it takes days, weeks, months to forgive. But what I am saying, I'm saying it starts right now. It's got to start right now. If you really want to climb to another level. Come on, everybody lift your hands again in this place today. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm asking everybody to step out of your seats this morning. Make your way down to an altar. Begin to lift your hands when you get down here. And begin to say, oh God, I know there are some things I've been holding on to. Saying, I'm going to wait till I'm going to be able to get even with somebody. I'm going to wait till I'm going to be able to get revenge on somebody. But today I'm letting that go. Come on, today I'm releasing that. Come on, I'm telling you right now, God is here to heal you. God is here to help you this morning. He's a selfish father, but he's not so selfish in that he won't give you the mercy that you need. Come on, I'm asking you to cry some tears right now and begin to let that warm spirit of God begin to melt that hardness of your heart again. Come on. The glory is His. The tithe is His. The man of God belongs to Him. Power is His. Vengeance is His, but mercy is also His. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.